BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to the Absolutely Not Podcast, where we do the most and the least at the same damn time. I'm your host, Heather McMahon. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Absolutely Not Podcast. I'm reporting live from a sexy hotel in Dubai, sitting on the beaches, drinking a Mai Tai. Just kidding. (laughs) I'm in my mom's office where she pays her quote unquote home goods bill. I said, mom, you can pay that shit online. She goes, don't know how. said, we gotta teach you. I'm here with one of my dearest friends. I'm gonna introduce him in just a second. For those of y'all who are new, you know, before 2020 started, we used to be able to leave our homes and travel and hit the open road. And I used to be a traveling touring comic, you know, lived my life between New York, LA and the open road. And now I'm sitting in my mom's office, staring at a bunch of clothing racks because we're in the middle of a construction and my cat's litter box is staring me dead in my eyes, peering into my soul. This all being said, uh, somebody that I've really brought along on my journey because he's my tour producer and one of my best friends in the world, Christopher Kedner, who also came down from New York to Atlanta to quarantine three doors down from me at my godmother's house. He's here. He's in the studio. I'm going to bring him in in a second. And we're going to just talk about all the things y'all have been requesting him. You said, we'd, we've seen you and Chris singing the Broadway. We've been, you know, singing the Broadway show tunes. So I'm going to have him come in, talk a little bit about the future of the Broadway. And we also have just some funny fucking things to talk about. You know, we've been dabbling back in the giggles on the Instagrams and I'm ready to get into it. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the podcast, Tony Award winning producer. Uh, I think you have an Olivier. An Olivier. Two drama desks. Two drama desks. And I'll tell you, his ego isn't inflated. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, my dear friend, producer Christopher Kettner. What's up? Wow, what a change of locale. Literally, Literally. last time I was on, we did a podcast from our beachside resort. In Thailand. In Thailand. And now here we are. I'm staring at your clothes racks, your old yearbooks, and the litter box in your mom's office. God, what a treat. What a treat. Yeah. And the interesting thing is, you know, Robin, you know how OCD she is. So you, this is why she's been extra fucking crazy because we don't live like this. Right. You were to walk into our house. She, oh, it's always immaculate. But you'd expect to find right now, probably like 15 dead cat corpses. Because oh, yeah. this is how every episode of Hoarders starts. You know, I mean, you've been trying to break into a TV show. I think you and your mom's break is going to be an episode of Hoarders. Yeah. And then it's going to have a spinoff and you're going to have 10 other shows from that. But right now, your house is an episode of Hoarders. Because we have just moving boxes everywhere. All of the furniture has had to be pulled out of all the rooms because we're staining the floors. I've been doing some heavy lifting. It's me and Jeff, like, taking dressers out of rooms, taking 90-pound mirrors down two flights of stairs. Yeah. 
It's okay. We're getting our steps in. I mean, here's the thing, Chris. You're having to deal with it now, but it's usually my entire life. It's just been me. Just you. My sister is built like a baby bird. And also Robin loves a project, right? She's 72. You got to keep her busy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She always has a project. You know, you said about her being in here writing checks. There's nothing more cathartic than handwriting a check. I only write checks for my rent. And I'm just like, wow, what an old pastime. Writing a check. Who would have thought that writing a check would actually like be nostalgic, but in a good, warm, that like Christmas feeling. You know what I mean? <laughs> Literally. But then it's the only time that you also handwrite anything. So you're like, why do I write like a five-year-old? Uh, can I tell you, it's actually, it really boils down to motor skills. My motor <laughs> skills are shit. Yeah, but your thumb, when you need to text or post something, 90 miles an hour. 90 miles. Yeah, truly. But yeah, I'm actually losing that physical skill to write. They don't teach handwriting in school anymore. Shout out to all the elementary teachers. You guys need to re-implement cursive handwriting workbooks back into your daily curriculum. Okay, now this is a great segue into kind of Chris and I were talking about earlier. We were laughing. So we're living in such a weird time right now in the sense that I feel like the days of just, okay, let me, let me say this. In my comedy, I've always stayed in my lane and talked about things that I know that are relative to me that I think are relatable to a lot of other people. I speak from a woman's perspective, like 30-year-old kind of doing my thing, like this is where I'm at. So I found this thing on TikTok where these guys, all these girls ask their boyfriends, they're like, hey, do you know where a pad goes? Do you know all this? 90% of the guys whether they're in their 40s or 17, whatever, they're a little confused. Right, right. And I put it up on Instagram. Jeff did not realize. And I, let me just preface this. We have a very healthy, wonderful sex life. We're very open. I can tell him anything. He's been through me with my ovarian cyst <laughs> situations. He's been to a gynecologist's office. We've all office. been there with your Everyone's ovarian been there. cysts, yeah. But he was so, he was like, I didn't know that a pad didn't stick to your directly to your vagina. Did right. not know. Which, granted, I, he's never seen pads in our house. You know, I'm I don't trying to them. imagine like the face mask version of a pad that has straps that somehow loops around your body to yeah. keep it up in your vagina. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So I put this up on Instagram and all these women went wild. They started sending me messages last night. One lady was like, I've had three kids. My husband did not know that my urethra, my pee hole was a totally different hole. Right, right. So Chris and I got talking this morning over coffee. We were like, what was your sex ed health situation growing up? Because mine was totally fucked. Yeah. Well, I think it's about the education system. Right. How is it that you grew up in Georgia? I grew up in Dallas, Texas. Jeffrey grew up in White Plains, New York. And truly, the differentiation of sex ed via the education system is so different and varied, right? Right. Like in my health class, everybody in my school district had to take health class for a full year in wow. the ninth grade, a full year. So you had two semesters. And I, the first semester was all of the stuff, digestion, whatever. And then literally the majority of the second semester was sex ed and anatomy. So we literally had tests where we had to label, here is the human's reproductive system, here's right. the male, here's the female. We had to label all of it. So I think knowing <laughs> urethra versus the birth canal vagina I just knew that because we had to learn it in school. See, we had anatomy, but we had a real, you know, I went to a Church of Christ school. Shout out to all the Church of Christers. My school was real. It was like one of those private schools where you went because the education was really good. And now they've slowly distanced themselves from specifically the sect of Church of Christ because it's a little crazy. 
I had an anatomy class and like we had a girl who got pregnant in high school and she had to leave. <laughs> she came, she left. I'm just imagining the in-school prayer meetings that you had about it. Okay, kids, welcome to anatomy class, 10th grade. Um, Shelly's pregnant, so everybody bow your heads and pray. We didn't even talk about it. She left. I guess she gave up the baby for adoption, came back, and it was just like, oh, oh she's back. Shelly's back. No big deal. Back in her school uniform. We won't talk about it. So Chris and I were laughing so hard, which I feel like I got overwhelmed, inundated with DMs on Instagram where women were like, the craziest thing was a lot of these labor and delivery nurses, it's not just on the men. Right, right. A lot of the women didn't know what was going on. They don't know on. what it is. They, a lot of labor and delivery nurses reached out to me and said, you'd be surprised when women come in to give birth and we tell them, hey, we're going to give you a catheter for, you know, a C-section or whatever. Yeah. They didn't understand that it exactly where their urethra I bet was. when they got that catheter, they were like, oh, look. Yep. Different entryway. There it is. <laughs> now, I've always known where my urethra is simply because, and this is something that it's kind of a humble brag of mine. I've been told by my urologist that I have a small pee hole. Oh, God, so, lucky you. Yeah, a lot of people want a small vagina. No, 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 no. No, no, no. I have a tiny urethra, right. which means when I pee, it's like a pressure washer. <laughs> Jeff does like pressure washing a... Uh, a sidewalk, a driveway, you know. A, a I thought that was going somewhere else. No. <laughs> Jeff loves the pressure washer in the sack. No. Oh, God, no. <laughs> you know, you know, everyone. Who's into pee? I Raise your hand if you're into pee. Not me. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it either. <laughs> oh my God, this took a turn. No, no, no. Sorry. sorry, I wasn't going there, but it was. it's funny. I'm like, maybe like Jeff should know this because he's pressure washing a lot. He's been in the room with me. I pee with the door open. He knows a... He knows it's a thing. You and I have shared hotel rooms before. Yeah. When you pee, it's a full echo chamber. Yes. Like everyone hears that waterfall. The, yeah. the people down the hallway in the hotel hear that waterfall. If you have a lot of fluids trying to come out of a small hole, <laughs> the scientific method is it's a pressure washer. <laughs> Just the sheer force. Yeah, yeah. And I used to get UTIs a lot as a kid. Right. You know, and maybe that's why I have this theory. I hate baths, right? Because when Do you, I hate a bath. Oh, I'll send a bathtub all the day long. When I was little, because I had such a small pee hole, I yeah. couldn't sit in baths because with the bubble bath, you get you get UTIs. Like, oh my God. You, you don't stay in a bathing suit long, all that shit. Right. But also, I mean, I don't like baths now as an adult because I'm a taller woman. Uh -huh. And there's been, I've really never found any bath, no matter how palatial jacuzzi-like, that where I <laughs> don't sit in it and my tits don't just sit up at the top and get cold. <laughs> Floating just like you're hitting them down with your chin. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I, maybe if you have tiny titties, you can sit in a bath and like luxuriate. But for me, I'm always just freezing. Got those floaters. I got floaters. Hey, but you know what? What? Wherever on a boat and that joint sinks, I know who I'm hanging on to. Bitch. You. Literally. A, you are the life preserver. I am Rose on the fucking door frame <laughs> on Titanic. Was it a door or a window? One of the, either. You are the door frame. I am the door frame. Built in door frame. Want to casually interrupt the podcast and talk to you about one of my favorite freaking bar brands on the planet. I'm talking about Go Macro. Go Macro is so freaking delicious and they're vegan, gluten-free, kosher, non-GMO, clean, raw, Damn, you know, I love the word raw and soy free. And of course, certified organic. Macro bars are awesome because it's a mother daughter owned company based in a rural community. And basically they just want to, you know, give the mission to, to spread awareness for a balanced plant-based lifestyle with products that have a positive effect on the world. I'm not even kidding you. These are some of my favorite bars in the world. They're hundred percent plant-based and I keep them in my purse. You know, I keep them literally stacked in my pantry right now because 
Some days your girl's just sick of cooking at home and she just wants to throw something down the hatch that's good and nutritious and I don't feel like I'm putting junk in my body. Hasn't that been a thing that you've noticed since you've been kind of locked up raw? Is that you're like, shit, when you cook at home and eat good stuff at home, it's surprising how much better you feel. So I'm trying to keep up with it. Listen, get some of your hands on some of Go Macro's delicious macro bars by going to Go Macro, that's G-O-M-A-C-R-O.com and use promo code absolutely for 30% off plus free shipping on all orders over $60. Again, that's GoMacro.com and use promo code absolutely for 30% off plus free shipping on all orders over $60. Listen, they got 15 mouthwatering flavors. Go get you some. Go get you a sale some. Go just get it. Go macro. All this being said, though, we were were talking about urethras. So I just, I know a lot specifically about mine. But then we were talking about our kind of education system. We didn't even really have a sex education talk at our school, except that they send in- Did y'all not have like a full, I mean, literally it is chapters and chapters of the book of reproductive, sexual health. Like, did y'all not have that? Honestly, Chris, I don't think so. We had this creepy couple and I would love to hear if anybody listening ever had this couple come to their school. It was more of like an maybe an abstinence talk. Like I'm sure we talked about the actual physical form in anatomy class, but our sex education specifically was just this couple that came to speak to us. I'll never forget, we were in the gymnasium and it was a mixed company. So it was boys and girls, which looking back probably wasn't appropriate for the fucking fear talk we were about to get. And it was a couple that came and talked and they basically were like going through all the different STDs. And they were talking about chlamydia and they said that when you get chlamydia, it can, I guess, sprout on you and it'll look something similar to cauliflower. So then they start taking cauliflower and just throwing it into the audience, kind of almost like a carrot top act, right? Oh my God. And so all these sixth graders just, it's fucking mass pandemonium because they're like, I'm getting fucking hit with chlamydia. (laughs) Dodgeball with cauliflower chlamydia. These sixth graders have no fucking idea. They can't differentiate the fact that this is just- Actual chlamydia. Actual chlamydia. Versus cauliflower, yeah. My girlfriend, Anne Marie, looked at me. She's like, did you get hit? Mary Beth got hit. She's got fucking chlamydia. (laughs) I remember being, you know, I'm an old soul. Yeah. I looked at one of my teachers and I was like, hey, Miss Johnson, did you fucking sign off on this? This ain't right. This is some fucking bullshit. Yeah. What, what was your sex education? Did you, do you have any memories of that? I mean, I just remember, of course, in the ninth grade, however old you are in the ninth grade, we tried in our health class to turn everything into sex education. Of course. Right? We would be talking about how oxygen gets turned into whatever it gets in, turned into and you process it in your blood cells. And someone would raise their hand and be like, so is oxygen like when the stuff comes out of a boy's penis <laughs> and, and you it get a gets boner. on you and can I get pregnant? <laughs> <laughs> like no matter what. And then the next day we would be talking about like the digestive tract and blah, 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 blah. And someone would always turn it back to sex. So we spent, I mean, literally this health class in the ninth grade that every kid in our district took the whole class for a solid year. It was just about sex. But you were telling me about the the tinfoil people earlier. Oh, tinfoil. Okay, so just like you had this assembly, I wish I knew what it was. Maybe it was just a Texas thing. It was called like Love Weights or some some program. Yeah, when people used to do the promise rings. Yeah. Yeah. But you got it at a Christian school. Yeah. I got it at a public school. 
And so they would come and they would hand everybody, they would talk about everything. They would show pictures of like the inside of an ovary that had been affected by syphilis. And it's like up on a slideshow. I was getting right that there. thrown in my face. <laughs> yeah. And I think you had it every year from like sixth grade up to 12th grade. And we watched the same thing over and over. And But they would always have these different things. Then they would get into like the emotional attachment of sex. Right. Right. So they would hand everybody a sheet of tinfoil. And you know when you pull tinfoil out, it's smooth, it's perfect, whatever. So then they would say, okay, turn to someone next to you and smash your tinfoil up with somebody else and then wad it up into a ball. And then, okay, then there would be like a moment of silence. You did that. And then they'd be like, okay, now try to separate it. Oh, fuck. <laughs> and so you just have this wadded up like tight ball of tinfoil, two pieces of tinfoil. And then even if you got pieces of it, it's like breaking off or like the tinfoil is always wrinkled. And they'd be like, that's what happens to you emotionally when you have sex with someone. Do you want to give away your tinfoil and your emotional insides look like this wadded up ball of tinfoil for the rest of your life? And then they would hand out a piece of paper that you would sign and say, I am, I'm signing this and pledging to be abstinent. And then I would look at like my like seventh grade boyfriend, Danny, and be like, Danny, you can't fucking touch me. Yeah. Stay 10 feet away. Three days later, you'd be like, I'm not ruining my tinfoil. Yeah. Get away. Oh, I remember when promise rings were the thing. Yeah, of course. Did you do promise rings at school or like a youth group at your church? I think it was like a youth group. Yeah, sitch. for sure. Shout out to everyone who went to youth camp. Yeah. I think youth church camp, youth camp was the most sexually exploratory of time of anyone's life. Anyone's life. Yeah. You would have praise and worship. You'd be crying. You'd be up there singing and just bawling your eyes out. And then five minutes later, you were like behind the girl's dorm trying to like discover each other's parts. Um, No, we were literally all back in the dorm. And it was just like we were, you know, when like you're developing as a woman, you have like rosebud titties. We would just stand around and be like, okay, you're the full rosebud. You, I like Michelle, that's like a pansy situation, like a Gerber daisy. So I don't judging know. Judging everyone's titties. Yeah, that was basically what it yeah, was. You're like, I just discovered mine. Let's discover yours. No, I went to theater camp because I was that nerd too. Wow. I didn't go to like outdoors. Camp. Well, I did go to surf camp when yeah, I was in high you school. Did. But my youth was more like every summer just doing fucking song and dance till my little lucky you tap shoes were it just right. had blood in them right right blood was just <laughs> literally spilling out I'm of my tap to shoes imagine i think if anybody follows heather on instagram we've all seen her baby and adolescent preteen years mm -hmm. you want a pair of high heel tap shoes that's that's a scary sight Honestly, I won camper of the year one year because I took an African dance class and I went all out and they oh were, gosh, and literally yeah. my dance teacher was like, she's so chubby and yeah. so terrible and yeah. was so sweaty after that class. We thought we were going to have to get a medical <laughs> professional to come in and check her pulse, but she's still committed. That's the thing, Chris. I think yeah. that's an ongoing theme in my life. I don't ever know what the fuck I'm doing, but I'm going to fucking you show up and commit. Your face. I sell it. Yeah, that's what it is. It's <laughs> half selling it. If you believe it in your face, we as the audience are going to believe it. Yeah. That's the rule of theater. So speaking of theater. Tell us. The Broadway. The Broadway. Okay, now I'm curious because, yeah. you know, as a Broadway producer, which, guys, side note, putting that on my vision board, Miss Performing Live, want to win a Tony. <laughs> um, you can just produce something and let me star in it, of right? Of course, yeah. Well, I think you need to write something. We can co-write something. You're going to be on Broadway. It's fine. It's fine. It's going to happen. I'm a performer. I need right. to be on the Broadway. Absolutely. Yeah. So my question is, as someone who is, this is like your job, 
Is there a light at the end of the tunnel right now for performing live? Is there a light at the end of the tunnel for what? what what's the yeah. what's the word on the street? So I've been on a hundred different calls. We've been yeah. on different calls for your stuff with tour. Mm-hmm. I have I have a show in London that I produced. Right. I have a show on Broadway that I produced. And then I have a show that I did on Broadway a year ago that's now supposed to launch a tour in January. Right. So all of these constant Zoom calls about what's going to happen. And truly, they say that touring, lucky us, is going to come back first. Yeah. Because there are different regions and states where, you know, Arizona may be open before Massachusetts. So right. we can go do a show in Phoenix, but we might not necessarily be able to go do a show in Boston. Right. Right. So that's kind of step one, I think, in the live entertainment industry. You know, it's so crazy. The mayor of London Uh put out this thing that said, we have to open theaters immediately for the culture, whatever, but no live performances are allowed. So now all these West End actors and technicians and everything in London are like, so tell us how that works. Wait a minute. No, not the the, the prime minister. What's his name who used to be Boris in London? I don't know the the blonde-haired guy. He's kind of like a dipshit. Oh, God, what is his name? Boris. I I I only know Boris. Yeah, Boris. He's now the prime minister. Oh, yeah, sorry. You said he used to be the mayor of London. Used to be the mayor. I didn't know if he had, like, you know, changed identities. (laughs) He used to be Boris. I'm like... (laughs) Sorry, no. no. He used to be the mayor of London. Was Carl, now Boris. Now Carl (laughs) Boris is the prime minister. Anyway, he said that. I would never go from... I would never go to Boris. You know, if I was going to (laughs) start at a name, even if your name was just like... You know, I I'm don't know. Change my life and change my. What if you were in the witness protection program and they were like, "So here's your new identity. You're, You're Boris, Boris Johnson." You'd <laughs> <laughs> be like, "Nope, spin the wheel again." What Listen, else is when, out there? When Takashi sixty nine, that rapper, you know, they talked about him going into the witness protection. Yeah. I was like, "What the fuck is this guy going to do? He has rainbow hair and face tattoos. Oh, God. You're going to notice him if he's working at a fucking Auntie Anne's pretzel yeah. in a Nebraska shopping mall." <laughs> Right. He's not going under the radar. Once you get Absolutely a face tat, you're marked for life. Yeah, you're marked. Yeah, yeah. If there's a hit out on you, that and honestly, I you know I've I've kind of thought in a previous life, maybe in my next life, I might be into some sort of shady business. Yeah. So that's why I am just for me, my own personal journey is not to get into face tats. Definitely you know, not. I got to stay low profile some no. days. <laughs> Absolutely. You know what we were talking about with your mom, like what you look like as a brunette. Yeah. And your mom was like, Heather is naturally brunette, but it would never work out. Mm. That's all you would have to do. You would just have to stop getting highlights. You as a brunette would look like a totally different person. That's all you have to do in order to go to witness protection. You think? I would not recognize you if you were a brunette. No. Okay, but, but, okay, but can I tell you, you're a man. And it's so funny. Men cannot. There's, there was actually like a scientific study that women could literally cut their hair, chop it all off. Right. But if they changed the color, men literally physically would not recognize them. It's because we're colorblind. Yeah, because you're colorblind and you're just like simple. Just yeah, simple. simpletons. I remember seeing this like study done one time and it was crazy. These women could like, it, you could have blonde hair, you could cut your hair and the men wouldn't notice the haircut. Right. But if you changed the color, they, it was like, they were like, who are you? What? What? I don't even know you anymore. Yeah, so um, so that's what Boris Johnson's so, done. <laughs> so back to Boris. So basically, he said we got to open the theaters. We got to. Yeah, keep- he's like, we have to open them right now. So theaters, theaters, let's open them. Let's get them open. We don't want to lose our cultural identity, you know, across the country. But then, but what's then supposed to happen inside? Live them? performances are not allowed. So now it's like, what are we going to take all of these historic live theaters in England, the entire country? And just put movie screens in them? Like, what do you what do you even mean? So the moral of that story is there is no answer. 
We were supposed to open up on Broadway in June. That got pushed to Labor Day. Now they're obviously saying it's not going to be until the year 2021 that New York theaters will open. So, I mean, who Who knows? Who the fuck knows? Who knows? It's with everything. Who knows, you know? You know, our day-to-day is being in these Zoom meetings and these calls with fucking producers. And But I think what the crazy thing is, too, is we don't know if a lot of these venues are going to survive. Right. And a lot of the venues, like these cool old historical theaters that I get to perform at, nobody fucking knows they can keep their lights on. And let me tell you something right now. I, you know, I made like, I did okay last year, but I'm not at that. I'm not at the I can go buy theaters moment. God. You know, everybody thinks just because like you're you're like slowly starting to creep up that roller coaster ride of your career. People are like, <laughs> you're still at the like, can we rent some chairs and put them in the front yard kind of thing? Thank theater. you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> like we still got to do a Costco run for my my That's... my show, my party I want to host. That's right. I can't get a party planner. Your mom's on Claris Works on the computer trying yeah. to make flyers <laughs> that she's then going to print 100 copies, put them in everybody's mailbox and be like, come by down the pink house down the street doing a show. Exactly. But it's like crazy. You know, we had these conversations of all these theaters that are, I don't fucking know. I'm not even trying to go down a dark hole. It's It's just really, really crazy. As a performer, it's really, it's just a weird fucking time. Okay. Not to talk political, but I think every, everybody is going to have to make that conscious decision. And this is, this is a PSA to everyone. So like on the back of a Ticketmaster ticket, you know, if you click the terms of service, they're going to start saying, you know, you, by redeeming this ticket or by purchasing this ticket, whatever, you release any liability that if you come here and get sick, yeah. you're walking into the doors of this space. If it's this movie theater, I think restaurants are going to have to do the same thing. You know, yeah. it's like you walk through these doors, you're automatically, you know, releasing your right to be like, I got sick there and now I'm going to sue that theater, sue that, you know, whatever, that artist. But yeah, you got, it's going to be walking at your own risk. Fucking crazy. But I mean, you know what? Walk in at your own risk anyway. People are shitting their pants. At, what if you're sitting next to someone at a Heather <laughs> McMahon show and someone just fills their drawers? And he- we're going to be like, you know what? You came here at your own risk. Honestly, I miss <laughs> telling those road stories. As much as I was like, everybody's fucking nuts when I was on the road, having yeah. a woman shit her pants on the front row at one of your shows, yeah. it doesn't get better than that. And then throwing up in her hands. I mean, it everything. doesn't get better than that. That's yeah. like the fucking human. Those yeah. are human moments that connect right. us. <laughs> you haven't lived till you shit your pants at a Heather McMahon you show. You were chugging vodka out of a plastic gallon jug and you just filled your drawers. Filled them. <laughs> you know, it feels a little, it feels a little weird too with, you know, we're saying like, okay, it's one thing to go out and like be on the road and tell these stories and, and be able to be funny and, and just perform. Yeah. But now it's even weird on Instagram because I still want to like flex these funny muscles and like right. talk about things. And even then 99% of people are like, yeah, we need to giggle and talk about things that are relevant, but also have like moments of levity. Yeah. And then you get that one lady who's like, you know, Lindsay from Berkeley who's uh-huh. white. And she's like, can you please let me know how this identifies to what's going on with COVID right now. Right, and I'm like, right. I was just showing you my Costco. <laughs> just my- taking the dog yeah. for a walk. Please do not equate his pizza pepperoni <laughs> dog collar and leash to me not being sensitive to the fact that Florida has a 400% spike in COVID. Yes, <laughs> It's not about that. I'm taking the dog for a walk. 
The end. Instagram stories or whatever, that was always kind of like my platform to test material and then we, you know, work out things, take them on the road. And it's just so crazy. It's only the white girls from Berkeley. They're the ones who are just so fucking upset right now about everything. Uh And I'm like, hey, you got to take it down a notch. And we also got to be able to, I stay in my lane and talk about the things that I'm understanding right now. And from my own point of view and perspective, God damn. Well, that's, you're always going to have a hater. There's always going to be someone who like, takes it out of context or whatever. Y'all, everybody needs to watch that Joan Rivers documentary. Do you know the name of it? Oh, Piece of Work. Piece of Work. She has a moment where like a guy is heckling her from the stage because she's just laughing and she's saying something that might be construed as inappropriate, but she goes, you know what? We as humans who are living this human condition, we can't all sit here collectively and laugh at the stupid stuff. Right. Your mom always says like, she threw her hands up the other night at dinner and was like, I don't know what to do. Yeah, but you know what? God's in control. And God's got a sense of humor. I was like, yeah, of course God has a sense of humor. He made humans fart. Yes. What's funnier <laughs> than that? And let's laugh about it. Yeah. If someone is laughing about farting, it's not anyone else's job, I think, to point at it and be like, that's inappropriate. Yeah. You shouldn't be laughing at the fact. Maybe somebody can't control their farts. Oh. And I'm like, <laughs> I know. I I'm have IBS, bitch. <laughs> right. I cannot control anything. Yeah. Remember, we were in the car the other day. Where yeah. did we go? We like went to go get food or something and bring it back. And I literally was like, Heather, Heather, I was sweating. Beads of sweat. Chris and I, when we're literally in any sort of like moving vehicle, whether it's a plane, a train, an automobile, whatever, this always happens. Chris is driving and he's just like, I, I'm not, I'm not going to make it. I was yeah, like, I go I ghost can, white. We, yeah. we live on the river. I'm like, I could just pull over. You can jump off this bridge real quick and just dookie in the <laughs> just river. Just hang your fanny over the ledge and let it flow. But it was bad. I like pulled up the driveway, threw the car into park, and I was like, you deal with it, you deal with the car. And I ran in and it wasn't I mean, what's great. funnier than that. Nothing. Well, when I posted this stuff last night and Jeff was like, who wears a pad? It's 2020. It's because I say that. When whenever he's been like, we've gone like shopping at Costco or something, I'm like, just get tampons. He's like, Do you need pads? I'm like, honey, you want me to tell you pad? who wears a pad? You. The people who are afraid to mess up their tinfoil. <laughs> <laughs> Those bitches who took love weights. Yeah class, seminar. That's true. They don't want to fuck up their tinfoil. Yeah, because they're afraid it'll... Yeah. It's it's technically... Yeah. They'll never get that... They'll never get that back. sheet of tinfoil back. <laughs> but some woman sent me a message. Wearing She's a like, She was like, I have to wear pads because I have a medical problem. I was like, oh, oh Jesus yeah, Christ, yeah. here yeah. we go. Of course you do. Of course. That's okay. That's okay. I said, girl, live your truth. I have yeah. a gaping vagina. When you look at vaginas in a lineup, there's, you know, okay, all vaginas are different and beautiful, but then you get to the one at the end that's just, you're like, hello down there. That's hello. me. Hello. Oh, oh, oh. So what you're saying is mm-hmm. technically something's gone wrong down there. We're like, you have a misproportioned uh, urethra versus vagina ratio, right? Keyhole? Tiny, yeah. taut, tight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vagina uh-huh. could stick a Louisville slugger yeah. up it. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> We're going to have to bleep that out in, in the edit. No. Oh my God. No, it's great. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Speaking of Louisville. Yeah. Oh, I wish we were there. I do wish we were on the road, dude. I wish we were on the you road, dude. Do? When we have our, when we're like, I'm having like my alone time and like, God, just fill in the hours. I just search for flights. I search yeah. for hotels. I'm not going anywhere, but like I'll have... Delta, British Airways, Korean Air, American Air, like all the tabs of breadsheet of like, what does a flight to to Paris cost right now on Delta from Atlanta? What does it cost on Air France from JFK to France? And, you know, I'm just like dreaming about breaking out because we are, to use your favorite term, locked up raw. 
locked up fucking raw. And we just love to be out and about. And I just and I just dream about it. That's what I do. I watch all of the points guy stories. I read every travel article just to daydream about being somewhere else. And you know, I kind of been having these little like homesick moments. I'm glad I'm back in Atlanta, right? But I do have these moments. I think it's just the nostalgia of like everything last year. I would come home to my apartment in New York, and I loved my apartment. I did have a great apartment. But then I would come home, and I would just like have that moment, that quiet moment in my apartment for two days, and I'd be back on the road or back right. in LA or doing whatever the fuck we were doing. And now, you know, the whole point of like moving back to Atlanta was, okay, I have a little bit more privacy and I'm here and I can keep an eye on my mom. But because we haven't been able to get out, I'm just fucking itching and I'm getting crazy. Like there's nothing calming right now about being home. Home's supposed to be a place you seek solace. You kind of turn your brain off. This is where you hang out. And listen, I have a beautiful setup, but you're just kind of like nothing about this right now is fucking relaxing because I feel like I don't know what the fuck the next move is. Because we thrive on a hustle and bustle. Yes. We thrive when you and I have to like run through an airport, fly to four different cities in three days, yeah. get the rental car, get the suitcases. We thrive on that. And when like your hustle and bustle daily life during COVID is like, everybody mask up. We're going to go wait in line at Whole Foods. They're letting 20 people in at a time, you know? And My like, asshole's just clenched. Uh, yeah, I know. Listen, we're all learning. Like, it's just a different life. It's a different life. And some people are... I've realized, obviously, I'm not a homebody at all. Right. You you compared, like, how many days you actually spent in your New York City apartment last year. It was, like, 30 year. in one year. Yeah, same. I mean, if if I'm not on the road working, like, being at home, my actual home, you said it very well. You were like, Chris, your apartment is just your storage unit. And I yeah. was like, yeah, it is. It totally is. So we're having to readjust, but it's interesting having these conversations because I feel like I'm trying to talk to people and like who are, you know, kind of in all walks of life, people in the medical professional, people who own small businesses, all this shit. Like I'm just talking my day to day, my friends, and they're all like, fuck everybody is in the same boat. And I get it. We're all in this together. Kind of like misery loves company. We sit on my back porch, drink, bottles of the most fantastic My Sarah Wine. Shout yeah. out to My Sarah Wine. Yeah. And um, we sing Broadway show tunes. Okay, can I ask you a question? I know we've joked about this before, but Go if I was it. going to be on, you know, I can't say anymore, but if I was going to start in a musical, what musical would I start? <laughs> the Lion King, obviously, because <laughs> you're an animal. And Pumbaa was literally written yeah. for you. Yeah, it was. It was written for you. You and Nathan Lane, yep. like when they were like, okay, Pumbaa, they foresaw you. Yeah. You're going to, your breakout Broadway moment is Akuna Matata. When I was a young warthog. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's your future. When no one wants to come see your comedy shows anymore. When no one freaking listens to your podcast. Because I can't even talk about my own gaping vagina. (laughs) You know what? Pumbaa, call him my name. Yeah. Strap on that warthog suit. And do my thing. And you're going to tear up Broadway. I know you've won like accolades. You've won awards. (laughs) I did win Best Actress in the State of Georgia in the one-act competition play. And they gave me like a mini Oscar and that is in my, it is going in my office here. So I just need you to know that that's my one achievement. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I've sold out a tour, but I I have not been nominated for an Emmy Gosh. Peaked junior year of high school. I did. You peaked. I did. I truly peaked. I just imagine you coming back from like the state competition, walking through the hallways being like, who's the best actress in Georgia? It's me. And guess what? No one gave a fuck. You're like, get back football team. Heather's here. Yeah. And they were like, Heather, are you coming to practice? Because you're the same size as all of us. Heather, cheer practice. Pep rally tomorrow. (laughs) Fuck, those were the days. But listen, you know what? 
we're coming full circle. We yep. learned nothing growing up. Uh-huh. We are just locked up raw. That's the thing is I'm learning more and it's a very educational moment because when you're locked up with your fiance, you have to have these conversations. Right. You're sitting around, you're twiddling your thumbs, you're running out of things to talk about. Right. Do you know where my urethra is? Do you know where my urethra is? And that's mm. how we break down the barriers <laughs> and we start the conversations. You know? Equality amongst the genders. Yeah. Yeah. We've got to. We've got to have yeah. those conversations. Do you think that they make pads for people who have explosive diarrhea moments like me? Like when I'm just in the car and I'm like, you know what? I'm good. <laughs> I'm Heather, I don't need to race back home. I don't need to panic because the gate won't open to whatever. I'm I just got my pad on. Great. Dropped on. Chris, first of all, good to go. They do make adult diapers. I feel like that's a little cumbersome. It is, but honey, what do you want? Just a pad over the back part of your butthole? That can I be honest with you? It's not going to catch what you're putting out. <laughs> That's so true. That's so true. No, now Every you're just being fucking lazy. Flow. Yeah. God damn no, it. it's literally those moments where I'm sweating. Yeah. So bad. It just hits me. It hits me. If there's a GI who listens to this, gastroenterologist, just you know, DM me for you know the full breakdown of what's going on. Sometimes I. Shit my pants. Can I be honest with you? If you're an adult in your 30s and you haven't. Right. You know, it's funny. I, I think I've said this on the podcast before. You know, when you're in college, you'd never talk about something like this. You'd never joke about it. You get into adulthood. You've never fucking truly lived. You've been at a Costco. You're doing laps. You've had too many samples. You've that, had every sample. That bulletproof coffee fucking oh hits God. you at the wrong time. Yeah, you had a margarita and a bourbon Manhattan the night before. And you shit yourself by the patio furniture. Yeah. That's called life, guys. Wake up. And I know that my audience is predominantly women and fabulous gay men. So I want to say, if you're listening to this, let's start having those conversations. Everybody shits themselves. Everybody's done it. It's going to happen. And I miss being on the road. I miss miss giggling. I miss telling jokes. But all of this being said, it's interesting now because my really only way to, to not even perform, because to me, like... I don't know. And to write new materials through Instagram, but it's even funny. It's interesting being on that end because you're, you know, it's just a weird, it's a weird fucking time on everything. I don't know. Should I write a Broadway show? Yeah, you should. You should. I, I would have Absolutely. to do a, a comedy straight play. Well, you know, gosh, I'm so bad with names. You know, all of the actors' names. What's yeah. the woman's name who was in Pretty, I Feel Pretty? Female, come on. Oh, Amy Schumer. Amy Schumer. So Amy Schumer. Wow, how could I not think of her name? It's okay. Steve Martin wrote a play yeah. that then she was in on Broadway. And I saw it and she was great. But as I sat there, I was like, oh, Heather should do this. So in five to 10 years, yeah. I'm going to produce a revival of that play and you're going to play that role. Great. And you're going to win Best Actress in a Play, Tony. Great. Do comedies ever win? Because comedies never win at the Oscars. No. Okay, it was so. the same year that, I mean, I won my Tony for a deep, deep drama about killing people. What if we just write like a really, like, I'm talking like fucking meta method moment. Mm-hmm. It's heady. It's yeah. got weird music. We get Duncan Shake oh, yeah. who wrote the music for Spring Awakening. To we do, just like, need all of those haters from Berkeley to like pitch in. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we do a show about like a woman with just a tiny urethra. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, heavy and it's extreme. Called the, yeah, the extreme. Yeah, the extreme. Sh- yeah. Tom, wait, hold on. I'm just spitballing. This is a creative Pressure break. washer coochie. Refine that. We'll work on it. Yeah, we're going to workshop that idea, you guys. Don't worry. <laughs> Call in with your ideas for the title of Heather's Broadway show about yeah. her pressure washer 
peace dream. I mean, I've been itching to do a little performance art. Get weird with yeah. it. Do you remember when we were like- Throw paint on you. Oh, fuck. We in were a in a kiddie pool. Theater school, mm-hmm. you know, or like theater class in high yeah. school. You did like the mirror exercise, you know, where you'd both pretend to be shaving and you had to mirror the person across from you. We did the massage trains. I mean, a massage train, nothing better. I mean, going to college and then like you have to go to your core class and you sit next to someone who's like got a finance degree and you're like, oh, you're going to go work for JP Morgan Chase or, you know, whatever. And I'm going to go wait tables because what I did with my (laughs) $45,000 a year was a massage train. And what you did was learn about finance and network with people who are billionaires. Yeah, I remember (laughs) at Ole Miss, our theater classes were in the same building as ROTC. So it was literally- Oh my God, how random. It was myself in like like flowy yoga pants, right? Yeah. Wearing yeah. a Commedia Del Art, like weird, like mask, bird mask. Long nose. Uh-huh. And then we've got the, the military guys next door being like, what in the actual It's rifle fuck? practice. Yeah, they're like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, young girls come to the show and like, hey, I want to do comedy. What is your thought? I'm like, don't get a theater degree. Just get no, a degree in, in fucking anything. Anything, anything else. Because then yeah. you'll be like us now where when there's a pandemic and there's no yeah. way to fucking work. It's like Natalie Portman who has a master's from Harvard in psychology or philosophy or something like that. I'm like, oh, that's what it takes to win an Oscar. Yeah. Go to Harvard and get a psychology degree. Got it, got it, got it, got it. I mean, I'm sure she's pretty set, but if like this pandemic continues, she could be like a teledoc and take like, of course. take clients on, <laughs> you know, just be like a therapist. She's got that, other options. We don't. That dial-in therapy line that Michael Phelps always advertises. Talkspace, they're a sponsor of the podcast. That's awesome. Can you imagine calling in and being like, this is Dr. Natalie Portman. How may <laughs> I help you? You're like, girl, Girl, I did just watch Black Swan and it messed me up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Come through. Yeah, that would be amazing. But I, I always say just have options because when you're in the theater, mm-hmm. your only other option is to essentially mm-hmm. work in a restaurant. Yeah, sling french fries. We have two options. And yeah. that's actually for, you know, just a little backstory. That's how Chris and I met. We were, you know. Sling and french fries. In New York City. Fucking yeah. working eight brunch shifts together. Wow. We thrived. We truly, truly thrived. Those were the days. I know. I think the first podcast I came on, that's what we said. We peaked then. We yeah. peaked when we were working. We could work 50 hours a week making cocktails and dealing with the rude pre-theater people from New Jersey who came across the tunnel to see Lion King, your future And they employer. wanted a lychee martini. They want a lychee martini yeah. and a fettuccine Alfredo. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just like, okay, here we go. And we did that 50 hours a week. And then we would go and pound French fries and club sandwiches at Renaissance Diner on Ninth Avenue. And then I'd go do improv shows and yeah. you would be up at like 5 a.m. going to a fucking non-equity, non-union oh my God. bullshit. Signing in, sitting there for eight hours and they'd be like, okay, come in and sing for four seconds. Oh, so degrading, but amazing. But amazing. I remember the first time that you were like, hey, I'm doing this improv thing. I've like <laughs> done class. like, And so in my like Broadway head, you're like, there's this really cool theater downtown where we do the shows. Like, come down and see one of my shows. So I get down there to the original UCB theater in Chelsea, yeah. waiting in line. I pay five bucks to get in. And you walk down all of those stairs. And then they were like, the only seats left are um, on the floor. Mm-hmm. So I'm literally getting down crisscross applesauce on the floor of this rat infested underground theater, which was underneath a food emporium. Gr- grocery Gristides. store. Gracidis. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I was just like, oh, Heather better be good. <laughs> I got to open brunch tomorrow. 
I paid five bucks for this shit and came to Chelsea. Fuck. Fuck me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Those were the days. Those were the days and we were we were thriving and having a blast. And then we worked with other kids. Like a couple girls were like, shout out to Stacy. She was a dancer. Stacy, yeah. if you're listening to this, you made us come to some three hour performance art oh. fucking thing in Soho. Oh gosh. It was a dance recital and it was very, <laughs> very intense. It, it was, was three hours long. Yeah, it was three hours long. You walk in. I think we paid like 30 bucks for that. They were like, grab a folding chair and find a space. Yeah. And we just all sat in the circle while this three hour dance <laughs> recital happened. And I'm like, God, this folding chair is so uncomfortable. I was like, can I get up to go to the bathroom? Can you? No, stay, stay, stay. Will you go get us Don't a make fucking eye contact. kid's meal at McDonald's around the corner and come back? <laughs> Sorry, y'all. We're just reminiscing, but this is what it is. I know. We were 22 and didn't know better. And those were the days, too, of just the world was your oyster. And it is now. Like, listen, but I think a lot of people, too, especially, you know, whatever, I've just used Instagram as a vessel to do comedy. But I've been in the business for fucking ever. And now people are like, they don't understand the journey to get there. Oh my gosh. The journey to get there of literally spending years in that underground theater, paying for improv classes. That's why I have PTSD from the rat bites. Yeah, they're rats yeah. in New York, but it's because that I had to theater. perform in a theater yes. where uh -huh. when you're backstage, you're like, and there's something nibbling at the back of your fucking Adidas sneakers. <laughs> do, you, do you remember the bathroom? There was one toilet mm -hmm. in that UCB theater mm -hmm. and they would pack it out with like 400 people. Mm -hmm. It probably set 90, but 400 people were there. It was there. not up to code. We'll just and say the, that. The toilet had no toilet seat. <laughs> and I was like, how are we doing this? How? Yeah. But now it's all shiny and flashy. Like then when you moved to LA and I came out and saw you do UCB Sunset, I was like, oh, this is what California is about. But that, in New York, they're trying to punt kick rats out of the way. And in LA, it's like nice. There's a parking lot. Chris, there's all an that, elevator. They're all shutting down. That, that, those days of like that, they're all shutting down. I haven't been in that world in a long time. That's where kids pay their dues. Yeah. In whatever aspect. And you, had, you truly had all the Broadway actor kids also going down there to do improv. So you had... Yeah you know, hopeful comedians like Heather who were 22. You had these young, hopeful Broadway kids and stuff like that. I mean, when you then 10 years later, you look back at it and you're like, oh, that's where I learned how to do stuff and how to survive. Right. God, them were the days. It was just, it's a lot of character building. You know, living in those early days in New York were just the fucking jam. At no point did you ever think that the dream was impossible. No, of course. And every day, no matter what you were doing, whether you were going to that class, whether you were opening a brunch, everything was working towards that dream. Every single moment. Us getting wasted in a park for nine hours waiting on the fireworks show. Yeah. It was all building up to that moment, you know? And now looking back on it, it's like, we, we have made it in a way. I'd be curious to hear about your experience too going to NYU because you did Steinhardt, which was specifically vocal. So my degree is, get ready for this useless bit of information. <laughs> my degree is a Bachelor of Music in Vocal Performance Music Theater. Wow. wow. And I will be paying that off until <laughs> I'm 90. If I die today, you will inherit my debt, Heather. <laughs> can I at least get an award? I'll inherit your debt. Yeah. Can, just give me a fucking Tony. You can take it. You can take it. If I die, it's yours. I mean, I did go to the University of Mississippi. So I... That was a cheaper experience. Yeah, it's like, you know, Harvard, Yale, NYU, Ole Miss. It's all DeVry. one and the same. <laughs> yeah, DeVry, <laughs> universityofphoenix.com. It's one and the same. 
no hate, no shade to anybody who has a degree from the university. No, listen, if you're a theater kid, keep doing your thing, keep thriving. Yes. But I will just say, maybe if you can get a second degree, get something in business, marketing, Anything. communication. Right. Uh-huh. You know. Russian literature. Oh, my God. Wow, where wow. I could be now. Truly. Bringing it back to Boris. Yeah, Fucking, Boris. Is he, you could be the prime minister of England. Can I just throw it out there? Is he technically Russian? Is he KGB? I mean, maybe he is. Or maybe his parents were just having a laugh when they named him, you know? Right. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. You know, with all of this shit too, I think when you're locked up raw in your house, like we've had moments to reflect. We've had moments to kind of stir the pot politically and have these uncomfortable and awkward conversations with our family. We've had moments to then get in the, basically the dark web and look at every conspiracy theory wow. known to man. The dark web is now TikTok, right? From both sides of the coin, TikTok is becoming a platform for conspiracy theories. So here's the deal. Boomers, you know, there's this thing where they're like, okay, boomer, and everybody makes fun of the older generation. These kids on TikTok, they're literally pulling all the shit that I've seen in like a, one of my mom's like Facebook groups is now these young kids talking about it on TikTok. That's so wild. Yeah. I'm not even going to go into them. Just Google it all like Pizzagate, yeah. all this shit. I mean, these kids who are maybe, I'm thinking like 19, are just explaining all this shit. I'm I like, know. so. How do you guys know this? It's because they're, they're internet savvy yeah. and we are not. I, I am not internet savvy in the slightest. When I came down here and I started kind of living in this Southern bubble, I didn't know what QAnon was. I had no idea. I posted on my Instagram. I didn't Does either. anybody know what QAnon is? I had never heard that until maybe two months ago. Well, guess what? The kids on TikTok, they know everything. Yeah, they know it all. So it's interesting, though, when everyone's like kind of blaming the boomers. And yeah, there's, you know, I'm sure a little bit of a gap there in, in understanding. And But these kids on TikTok, that's where I learn everything. That's where I learn, you know, about Second sex ed. I learn how to cook. I learn how to clean. I learn how to do dances. And I learn about maybe not Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. Oh, wow. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Wow. Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. He who shall not be named. Watch that documentary. Wow. I need to go watch it again. Honestly, it'll just fuck you up. You it's feel so like you up. feel unwell. Is it a, like a movie? No, it's a six episode series, right? It's uh, something long. like that. Yeah, that's so messed up. So crazy. So, you know, I just think right now we need to keep having honest conversations. We also need to just fucking be able to laugh. It's already fucking high stress enough. I know. Giggle. Joan Rivers, go back to her. I mean, y'all go watch the Joan Rivers documentary. She says, if we cannot laugh at the human condition, then what are we even doing? I'll let you get out of here. But a real sweet story. When Chris and I were working at this place called Elsewhere, it was on 43rd between 9th and 10th. Joan Rivers was performing at a theater across. Now, for those of y'all who don't know, Joan Rivers was my end-all be-all. I have to go to these pitch meetings for like fucking shit in LA. They're like, tell us about your brand of humor. And I'm like, if Joan Rivers and Conan O'Brien had a baby, I'd be Joan O'Brien. Right. I'm sassy. And, and either of them had double D tits. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm sassy like Joan Rivers and physical like Joan Rivers, but I've got kind of that like goofy, that goofy wit like Conan right, O'Brien. Right, right. So that being said, Joan was just always like an iconic figure in my life. She is the reason why I got into comedy. And, you know, we actually got the night off. We got cut early one night from yeah. the restaurant. And Joan was performing at a theater, which was a basement theater right across from the restaurant we worked at. Chris got me tickets. He picked me up from work because I got cut early. And he was like, listen, let's go. And we went and we were in this basement theater, these good old days in New York. So crazy. And Joan had all of her cue cards because, yep. you know, she was up in her 70s. Right. She was trying out new material. She had all of her cue cards on the stage. And we were just in this incredible, magical moment of seeing woman who's changed my life do comedy. In this incredibly intimate setting. I mean, literally maybe 80 people in the room. 
it's interesting because Chris has done a totally different, you know, he's he's more on the Broadway, but he knows these theaters. So he said, Heather, I know where the back door is. I know she's going to come out through this way. It wasn't even the back door, actually. It was through like the backside of the restaurant. Right. Through Esca. Yes, through yeah. Esca, Mario Batali's place. Ooh. That's a whole nother uh-huh. thing we could talk about. And we stood outside and sure enough, like three minutes later, Joan came out and she said, oh my God, she's like, you're gorgeous. I was like, Joan, I love you. That show was incredible. I, mean, I was probably what, 22 at the time? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, you're the reason why I do comedy. And she's like, keep it up, kid. You got a chutzpah. And we took a photo and to this day, it's my most prized possession. Yeah. I love that photo. It was also freezing. Well, it was Fat Tuesday. Remember, she oh gave me Mardi gosh. Gras beads. That is so right. She had on this big black fur coat and she took Mardi Gras beads off of her neck and gave them to you. And I made it a joke. I wow. said, you want to see my tits? And she was like, oh, I love you. You got a chutzpah. And I was like, I just fucking made Joan Herbert's laugh. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. You have a mind. How do you remember that? I forgot about the Mardi Gras beads, but now I remember. But that was love like that. that was like an iconic moment, moment in my for life. For sure. I'm sure if you met Andrew Lloyd Webber. Who just commented on my Instagram. Thank you. <laughs> Heather and I are joining the Broadway Illuminati. Illuminati. Thank you. I couldn't even find the word. We are. I can't sing and my dance skills are not as fresh as they used to be. You can kick. I can kick. Yeah. I do have a fucking good high kick. You're not going to be a rockette, but you can kick. Well, maybe if we could just do like a nice <laughs> kicking number in my Broadway show, I'm down for it. Listen. I'm so horrible. In my mind, I'm... <laughs> I'm like thinking about you and like Megan McCarthy. Oh my God. Melissa. Oh, Melissa Did McCarthy. Did you just have a stroke today? Why can I not think of anything or anyone at all? Mom. Oh, oh, the cat okay. has to go to the all bathroom. Right. Oh, it's over. Okay. The podcast this, is over. The podcast is over. Robin okay. has interrupted it. Ladies and gentlemen, I just need you to know when this is what we're living in. I think this comes very full circle. My mom just had to let the cat into the office because the litter box is in here and she's got to take a shit. <laughs> oh my God. Hashtag humble. Hashtag stay humble. Remember when we were just talking about we've made it and our dreams have come true? The cat has to take a shit. But we haven't made it. We're no, only we on we're only on the beginning journey. No, That's I thought right. last year beginning. was a um last year was an exciting like uptick and we were we we're having the momentum. And yeah. then I was like, this is gonna be yeah, the year. Yep. And then it all came to a crashing halt. 2021. Let's uh look for the future. Let's pray on it right now. Lord, Lord 2021, we're giving it to you. Your will be done. Please. And listen, they just said apparently, and I'll leave it on this, they may not let Americans into Europe for like a year. And I was like, I've just rescheduled the wedding for the seventh time. At this point, God damn it. At this point, our life is the cat needs to take a shit. Yeah. And so Delta, do your thing. Chris, thanks for coming on and updating thanks. people. Love. I love giggling. We just need to have a day where we reminisce and just giggled, you know, and talked about simpler times, but that's okay. I'm going to get back into the voicemails next week. A lot of y'all have sent some fantastic recommendations of folks to talk to, you know, that are on the front lines of COVID where we can have an honest kind of a TikTok conversation, if you will. Oh, tell me about it. Steamy. Y'all, as always, thank you for listening to the podcast. We'll be back next week. Love, light, you know, call into the, uh, what the fuck am I saying? Call into the hotline. The absolutely not line. I'm going to get it out of the office so Delta can have a little privacy. (laughs) All right, guys, see you next week. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate us, and leave a review. And as always, follow me on Instagram at Heather K. McMahon. See you guys soon.